Hello again everyone and welcome to the Chris Cast. This week I've got a review for Lady and the Tramp coming up in the second half of the show. But first off, let's start with some news. First, let's talk about a company in Japan that offers non-smokers an extra six days off to make up for cigarette breaks. This comes from WRIC.com. The story says, a company in Japan is offering its non-smoking workers an extra six days off per year to offset the amount of time those who smoked took during cigarette breaks. According to the Telegraph, Piala Inc., a marketing firm in Tokyo, decided to make a change after non-smoking workers complained that they were working more hours than their smoking counterparts. I hope to encourage employees to quit smoking through incentives rather than penalties or coercion. Takao Asuka, the Piala Inc. CEO, told Kyoto News. Since the new policy was put in place, no less than 30 of the 120 workers have taken the extra days off and encouraged four to give up smoking, reports the Telegraph. So, this raises the question to you. Would you be willing to try to quit smoking if you were going to get six extra days off per year? Or would it not be enough incentive? Do you think it's a good idea? Do you think it's a terrible idea? Let me know at Twitter at Chris underscore H 71. <clears throat> but from the wonderful story to the absurd story. It was reported this week that a studio executive has had once tapped Julia Roberts to play Harriet Tubman. That's right. This is from comicbook.com. It says, in the years before Harriet had became a reality, apparently a version of the movie could have been made that featured Julia Roberts in the role of Harriet Tubman, the former slave best known for being one of America's his American history's most prominent abolitionists and a conductor on the Underground Railroad. Gregory Allen Howard, the screenwriter and producer who has been working to get Harriet made for 25 years, says that an early draft of the script attracted the attention of an executive who latched onto the idea of Roberts in the role and, when told that Tubman was a black woman and Roberts was not appropriate casting for the historical epic, argued that it was, quote, so long ago, audiences would not know the difference. In today's marketplace, such a change would be borderline impossible to sell and certainly would not be something most executives would suggest. It would feel more likely to be some oddball art film if it were to happen. But it was not that long ago that movie studios thought it would be easier to sell Roberts in a role for which she was not at all appropriate than any actress of color. I was told how one studio head said in a meeting, quote, The script is fantastic. Let's get Julia Roberts to play Harriet Tubman, Allen told Entertainment Weekly. When someone pointed out that Roberts couldn't be Harriet, the executive responded, It was so long ago, no one is going to know the difference. The role ultimately went to Cynthia Erivo, but that took 25 years and probably a number of iterations to get to production. The movie was released last week. So what do you think about that? Do you think studios should use... A woman, now, granted, Julia Roberts, I think she's a phenomenal actress, but do you think she's right to play Harriet Tubman? I just can't see how anybody could consider that a good idea. Again, Julia Roberts, fantastic actress, 
she could probably play the heck out of Harriet Tubman. But Harriet Tubman was black. Harriet Tubman's being black is essential to the story because it was all about freeing the slaves. Using a white woman in that role would diminish the importance of the character that they were portraying. I Personally, I don't think Julia Roberts would have taken the role, but to even suggest her in a role like that, I mean, it's one thing. People complain about, say, the Kingpin or Johnny Storm or some other comic book character being changed from one color to another. But Harriet Tubman is a historical figure. She's a hero to many. She is an amazing woman who did amazing things. Why would you change her story in any way? The story itself is fascinating enough. Don't change it. Let the facts speak for themselves. <sighs> well, I'll never understand that thought process on that one. Also from comicbook.com this week, moving on from the horror story that we just came across, Crisis on Infinite Earths. It has now been confirmed Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman on the animated series, will be playing a future version of Bruce Wayne, the Kingdom Come version. He will also be with Brandon Routh, who will play the Kingdom Come Superman. They've released pictures of both Brandon Routh and Kevin Conroy in costume, as well as a photo of Tom Welling in his Clark Kent plaid outfit. There was also pictures of Lois Clark and Iris from the Arrowverse. It, this just looks phenomenal. It gets better and better every moment, everything that I hear about this. And it's so close now. It starts December 8th. CW has a huge hit on their hands if this goes off well. And it may rejuvenate the whole Arrowverse of shows. Of course, Arrow will be going away, but the others will be sticking around. Let's hope that the Arrowverse really succeeds with this crossover and that it's done very well and is well received. Moving on, a very, very sad letter to Santa or Father Christmas. This comes from BBC.com. Liverpool Child 7 asks Father Christmas for, quote, a home and food. A seven-year-old girl has written a letter to Father Christmas asking for a home and food for her family. The letter was left in a Christmas post box at the L6 Community Center in Everton, Liverpool. Local counselor Gerard Woodhouse, who opened the letter, said, quote, It was so upsetting to read. Shirley Marshall from the center said since the letter went viral, they have been inundated with support and they are overwhelmed. The little girl writes, Dear Father Christmas, can you help? Can we have a home for Christmas? Mom wants us to be all together. Can you give us some food and can I just 
have, can I have just a nice doll for Christmas? Thank you. The letter appeared when the team at the community center began decorating for the festive season. They left the post box in a cafe for visiting children to post their Christmas wishes. Just imagine being a child at Christmas and not having a home of your own. It did say that they were living with, I believe, the aunt, if I scroll down through here. Well, it doesn't say what the relative is. It just says, Mr. Woodhouse said the girl and her siblings currently live with a relative. At least they have a home to live in. But the fact that it's this little girl wants a home for their own for Christmas instead of the toys, maybe a doll, but food and a home are her big priorities, just heartbreaking. It is nice to see that they've been inundated with support, and hopefully this family will get something of a good Christmas this year. From a story that tears at your heartstrings to another. If you recall the story of the, the girl whose father held her in her arms as he jumped on the subway to kill himself, from CNN on MSN, a young girl rescued from under a subway car is, honor, is an honorary NYPD officer. A five-year-old girl rescued from under a subway train that killed her father became an honorary New York Police Department officer. NYPD Chief of Patrol Rodney Harrison shared a photo of Fernie Balbuena on Friday during her visit with the department. Today is Fernie's NYPD hope trip. Fernie was rescued unharmed last month after her father jumped onto the tracks with her. She found a few minutes to stop by my office before heading over to the mounted unit. The HOPE program connects children who have suffered trauma or catastrophic illness with the police department. Fernie was in her father's arms when he jumped in front of a subway train in September, witnesses said. Fernanda Babuena Flores was killed, but bystanders helped to rescue the little girl. Cell phone footage taken from across the platform shows two men down on the tracks as the girl crawls out from under the train. She was telling me, what happened to my daddy? One of the men identified as... Jairo Torres told CNN affiliate WCBS, Then I said, Don't look at your daddy. Come to me. Come like a puppy. On Friday, nearly two months later, she was sworn in as an honorary officer, NYPD Sergeant Jessica McCrory said in a statement. Today, Deputy Chi John Clune swore in Fernie Balbuena as an honorary officer of the HOPE program, McCrory said. HOPE stands for heroism, optimism, pride, and encouragement. So it's nice to see somewhat of a happy ending for this little girl who's gone through so much tragedy here in recent months. Hopefully it'll help brighten her Christmas a little bit. Moving on, we, a few stories that kind of relate to each other. This first one comes from LGBTQ Nation. Judge vacates Trump's rule that would allow doctors to discriminate against LGBTQ people. The judge was shocked that Trump's rule would allow ambulance drivers to dump a patient in the road for religious reasons. Such harsh treatment would be blessed by the new rule. The article goes on to say, 
a third judge has ruled against the Trump administration's rule that would allow doctors and other medical professionals to refuse to treat patients for religious reasons, vacating the rule entirely in a summary judgment. U.S. District Judge William Alsop of the Northern District of California joined federal judges Stanley Bastian in Spokane and Paul Engelmeyer in New York. The judges who ruled earlier this month that the Department of Health and Human Services religious exemption rule from this past May violated numerous federal laws. Alsop gets right to his feelings on the HHS religious exemption rule on the second page of his decision. Quote, under the new rule, to preview just one example, an ambulance driver would be free, on religious or moral grounds, to eject a patient en route to a hospital upon learning that the patient needed an emergency abortion. He wrote, such harsh treatment would be blessed by the new rule. The rule would have allowed health care workers to refuse to treat people if doing so violated their religious beliefs, even without notifying their employers. The rule also expanded the types of workers who could claim a religious exemption to doing their jobs to include billing staff, receptionists, and emergency responders. The rule would have cut federal health funding to employers and states and that the Trump administration believed were not properly respecting health care workers' religious freedom. The city and county of San Francisco sued HHS over the rule change. They were represented by California Attorney General Xavier Becerra. Alsop ruled against HHS, saying that the rule went far beyond HHS's authority when it comes to interpreting statutory law. Quote, when a rule is so saturated with error, as here, there is no point in trying to sever the problematic provisions, Alsop wrote. The whole rule must go. Again, how can you be so horrible? If someone is in need, the Christian way to do is to supply them the need. Seriously. <coughs> Excuse me. Just reverse the roles a minute. Say you are a Christian and your Muslim doctor in the emergency room decides to not treat you after you've been in a horrible car accident that wasn't your fault. Now, not only have you been in a really bad car accident that you did not cause, but you're a doctor who, by this rule, could say, I don't want to treat you because you're Christian. It's the exact same thing. People need to start looking at the bigger picture instead of trying to say, well, I'm not getting my religious way. You are getting your religious way. Making other people pay for your religious way is not getting your religious way. Again, someone getting equal rights to you does not violate your rights. They are equal rights. Everybody gets the same. That's the way we're supposed to be in this country. And we need to get there desperately. But on happier stories, Two for Dolly Parton this week. First comes from NewNowNext.com. says, Exclusive, why Dolly Parton wanted a gay storyline in Heartstrings, her new Netflix TV series. It says, The new preview gives fans a glimpse of what's in store for the screen adaptations of classic tracks like Jolene and Down from Dover. Eagle-eyed viewers might clock a quick moment of queer romance when two male characters 
played by Andy Mantis and Michael Willett, clink champagne glasses while looking into each other's eyes. This is talking about the trailer that Netflix released earlier this week. The synopsis for Two Doors Down, the episode starring Mantis and Oscar winner Melissa Leo, reads, quote, A family's lifetime of secrets comes bursting out during a chaotic and comedic New Year's Eve wedding weekend. Will they make it to the witness... Will they make it to witness the I do's without killing one another? At the Dollywood red carpet premiere for Heartstrings, New Now Next asked Dolly Parton why she wanted to include a gay storyline in the family-friendly series, which will be released the week before Thanksgiving. Parton explained, It's important that I touched on everything that all families go through. Everyone has gays in their family. I tried to give all the different angles in the stories. Just like we have an interracial marriage because people deal with that all the time. I just wanted to present people and lives and what people go through. I just wanted to touch on everything for everybody. You gotta love Dolly. She's from the backwoods of Tennessee, but she sure does not have the heart of the backwoods of Tennessee as far as you would stereotype her to be. She is an amazing woman who loves all of her family, all of her friends, all of her fans, all of the people. Never have I seen such a universally loved celebrity as Dolly Parton. Just can you think of one person in your life who does not love Dolly Parton? Think about it. But next from Out.com, Dolly Parton wants to record a gay dance album. says the country icon whose new Netflix series launches this Friday has revealed that she has a club banger in the vault that might finally make it to Spotify. She told the LGBTQ plus news website New Now Next, I've been wanting to do more uplifting music. When this was referencing the club track song she appeared on with the Swedish electronic duo Galantis last month. She continued... It just came to me with this Galantis song, and it's really uplifting, but it's a solid dance beat, so I love the idea that people would be out there dancing and praising God. If anyone could take us to church on the dance floor, it would be Dolly Parton, it says. The experience was so inspiring that Parton is thinking of digging, on, digging an, old dag, an old track out of her archives. I have a song called, quote, Dance With Me, Darling, and so I may at some point put that out, Parton told New Now Next. I had a song I'd written years ago called Just a Wee Bit Gay that's a dance song and it's very uplifting and fun. Will Parton finally give the gays everything they want? Who knows, she teased. This may be the time I might think about doing a whole dance record. And personally, I would welcome it. Dolly is an amazing talent, an amazing voice, a great actress. I can never get enough. If you did not see the special on ABC.com this past, not this past Tuesday, but the Tuesday before, it's still available on the ABC app, should still be available on the ABC On Demand, should be available on Hulu still. It was called Dolly Parton, Here She Comes Again. It was a sit-down interview with Robin Givens that included clips from her past interviews on ABC. If you like Dolly, and I know you do, 
you should check it out. It's a great, great little show they put together. Finally, if you haven't seen it, go to your internet now. Look up Wiley the Dalmatian. He is the most adorable little Dalmatian puppy with a heart-shaped nose. You're welcome in advance. Check it out and enjoy. Well, that's it for the news this week. I will be back in just a few seconds with my review of Lady and the Tramp live action from Disney+. Plus. Stay tuned. <laughs> Welcome back. Let's go over Lady and the Tramp, the live-action version that is on Disney Plus now. First, the talent involved. Tessa Thompson. You may know her best as Valkyrie from Thor Ragnarok. She was also in Creed, Dear White People, and Annihilation. She plays the voice of Lady. Justin Thoreau is the voice of the Tramp. He's been in Mulholland Drive, American Psycho, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, The Girl on the Train. He was the voice of Dropkick in Bumblebee. Probably most notably, he was Master Codebreaker in Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Neither are strangers to Disney, apparently. Both of them had huge Disney hits. Trusty, as soon as you hear his voice, you don't even need to know the name. It is Sam Elliott. Jock, the Scottish Terrier next door, is played by Ashley Jensen. Peg is played by Janelle Monet. Benedict Wong plays Bull. Clancy Brown is the voice of Isaac. Clancy Brown, of course, was the voice of Lex Luthor on Superman the Animated Series and the Justice League Animated Series. Thomas Mann plays Jim Deere, and Kiersey Clemens plays Darling. I have not found the time period that this movie is supposed to be set in. I do know they're going with the same time period as the animated movie. I just... All I know is there's a lot of horse-drawn carriages and some cars involved, but the original cars, not the cars like we know today. So it's early 1900s, and the reason that becomes important is the fact that Jim Deere is white and Darling is black. This is not something I have a problem with, except for the fact that the time period does not allow for a mixed marriage. It kind of took me out of the film at that point. I have nothing against mixed marriages. I've even had somebody ask me if my niece were to come home with a black man, how would I feel about it? My only response was, if he's treating her right, I don't care. That's the way it should be. If they make each other happy, 
then that's all that should matter. We should stop looking at race. But when you put a film in a time period, and in that time period, race was such a factor that you could be imprisoned for being married to someone of a different race, it does become an issue. It doesn't hurt the film that they're mixed, it's just that it hurts the time period that it's set in. I don't know if you'll be able to get over it. I had got past it just fine, but it did take me out of the story for the simple fact that it's a mixed race in the early 1900s. And considering nobody's speaking with a British accent, it's apparently set in America. They didn't really give a setting for it either. There are several more big names that appear throughout the film. You have Yvette Nicole Brown as Aunt Sarah. F. Murray Abraham was Tony. Uh, Ken Jong was the doctor. The film is good. It's not great. The dogs are very enjoyable. The little puppies they have look to be lab puppies. They were adorable. How can you not love a lab? IMDb rated it 6.5 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes rated it 61%. Metacritic gave it a 48. As I was watching, I was thinking, yeah, it's probably best this film did not go to the theaters. I don't think it would have made it. It would have made money because it's Disney and it's dogs and it's apparently any remake that Disney does makes money. But it would not have had a long theatrical life. Putting it on the Disney Plus service was definitely the best move. You have people who will be interested in seeing it that will subscribe for it, as well as all the other offerings Disney Plus has. The iconic spaghetti scene is in the live-action version. There's a lot of good points, but the movie drags. The writing's not the best. It is a family film. And you can watch it with the family. But I don't see repeated viewings of this in anyone's future. So, I would say that the 6.5, the 61%, and the 48 would probably be about right. Yeah, the 48 may be a little low. As, as I was watching it, I was thinking at best a 70. And that's because some scenes are really good. And some scenes are not so good, and some scenes are just flat out boring. The one thing I will say for this is it gets you emotionally invested in the dogs. And Tramp's story of being put out, it, it really did break my heart. I just can't imagine having a dog 
and just throwing it out on the street. The reason was the baby, but seriously, how are you going to just eliminate a member of your family and throw them out on the street? I know it happens with people as well, but I couldn't do it. When I get a dog, I get a dog because I want the dog and I want it in my life. My dog stays in the house with me. I have a dog right now. She's a great dog. She's as sweet as she can be. Her name's Savannah. She is a rescue from the shelter. She's been very timid and scared along the way. But she's been an extremely well-behaved dog. One of the best-behaved dogs I've ever had in my life. And she's extremely loving and affectionate. I just could not ever consider putting her out. It's like the, the special that Fox did a few years ago at Thanksgiving about trying to get people to adopt dogs. And Betty White was talking about the older dogs and said, do not just give up your senior dogs because they're old. That broke my heart and made me cry. I was like, how could you live through the life of the dog and then because it gets old, toss it out? Yeah, puppies are cute and more fun and energetic, but that dog was a part of your life as you were the part of their life. And to just get rid of a senior dog because they're senior? Would you get rid of your grandmother or your parents because they're older? No. Treat your dogs and cats the same way. If you're not going to make the investment of love for the dog for life or the cat for life, don't get them. It's that simple. You take in a pet, you take them in for life. Don't leave them to die alone. Don't leave them in a shelter because they're too old. Don't throw them out on the street because you get a new child in your family. And quite frankly, if someone would come and start a relationship with me and they it was them or the dog, guess who would be gone? Because I ain't giving up my dog. But enough of that sadness. Again, like I said, Lady in the Tramp, for me, as I was watching it, I was thinking at best a 70. I would probably give it a 60. Because, as I said, there were good points and bad. It's worth watching. But like I said, I just don't see repeated viewings. Well, that's it for me this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you give Lady in the Tramp a try and come up with your own decision on what the film is like because you should never take someone else's word always find out for yourself and if you would like to debate with me again find me on twitter chris underscore h 71 and until next week have a great week everybody and goodbye